Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with veteran L.A.-based jazz pianist and film composer Todd Cochran. We caught up with him to talk about a great many things, namely his new 2021 CD, Then and Again, Here and Now, done with bassist John Leftwich and the great master drummer Michael Carbon. This is his first album since his two underground classics for prestige records back in 72 and 73. And on this one, he melds his earlier explorations into a fresh musical sound. Originally from San Francisco, he has experienced music as a way of life and being in a myriad of settings. The piano is something he has always known as a way in other worlds. And he began fingering melodies on the piano at the age of three, and he has never stopped. Dig this exquisite story of a jazz giant. Hello, yes, this must be Joe. Joe Domino, Neon Jazz Radio in Kansas City. How you doing? I'm doing great. So great to talk to you. Yeah. Great to talk to you. Absolutely, man. So let's dive into your latest 2021 CD, Then and Again, Here and Now. Before we get into kind of the vision and the artistic underpinnings of this album, I want to kind of know a little bit about, it's coming out during this pandemic, a very strange time on Earth. We've been going through this for a while now. What does it mean to get this out, to have something to give to the fans at this point? I think that that's something that we you know, as, as creators, just people, we really don't have control over those, you know, larger dynamics, that larger situation. And so what I have always felt about um, music and and art, that it's now is always the perfect time to take art to the next level. And so that's the moment that we're in, and I think our the creativity and certainly our, our conversations connected to that reflect the moment that we're in. I think if we do that, I think it's it's a it, whatever time it is. If if there's a if there's a conversation occurring, it becomes a it's a genuine experience, and I, I think that's the objective. Speaking of conversation. What kind of conversation were you having on this album? How did you feel about what was going on in the interplay that was going down in the final product? That's multi-layered. As I step away from the recording, I think that it fulfilled all of our intentions. And to be, you know, me and John Leftwich, bassist and uh, drummer Michael Carvin, I think it fulfilled exactly uh, where we were and the type of music that is a direct representation of the relationship that we have because um, we've been we've been playing with each other for quite a while this is a really just where our relationship and our musical uh language has has become and developed you see because this this was not um just a you know a session where i had certain players come in to uh you know fulfill the different uh musical roles and this is really uh an expression of the the alchemy that we have developed uh, it's a band you know i call my trio pc3 and i always uh you know i remind them this is the repeated joke that i uh you know i formed a band because i wanted to be in be in one in a roundabout way to answer your question about the outcome of then and again, here and now, it completely re- uh, reflects where we are and that de- that developing and continuing musical journey. 
so what would you ultimately like the listener to get from this experience? Is that anything that's on your radar of when, when those out there that either download or buy this, what do you hope they get from what you've put out? Well, I, I would think that they would, uh, I, w- I would hope that they get a, a sense of, of place and time within that sense of place and time uh, that they see themselves within it. The music, it's uh, experiential. It is an experience. I think there's there's an element of uh, remembering in the the concept of the album, and um, that's probably uh, the best way to describe it is to is to you know, delve into the the concept of the album itself, and that is that then and again here and now means that we we're looking at uh, things that existed at the time uh, that these compositions were originally created um, because this is the first um, recording that I've done of standards and all of it, you know, certainly been, you know, arranged and contemporized. The structures are that. And so I think about it in terms of a, a, a time capsule. I, I look at the then being the place where, our country was at the time that these pieces were conceived, the good things that were occurring, and then and also the bad, the, the things that were in need of correction. And then uh, the, the, the contemporization, we look at those things that are good and bad and those things that have been corrected and that are still in need of correction. So it really is uh, it's an ongoing thread of experience you know i love that answer about this is the time to really innovate this is the time to make the music and i think about the jazz community and everything that it's gone through like with all artists Mm -hmm. and i wonder how do you see the jazz community emerging stronger and more vigorous when things do kind of more return in earnest Good, because there's yeah, there's good shadings in 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 that returning in earnest i think that anything important is going to require like a, a a complete and full commitment to really put a fresh idea forth, a fresh perspective. What I do love is how the arts are um, interconnecting in new ways. That is the is the aspects of movement, the music itself, visuals, and so it's coming together. I, I think that there uh, will be a, a stronger sense of, of narrative and where the uh, the music will not just be uh, some sort of a, a, an abstraction or just a moment of, of thought by whoever's creating and producing that, but something that is intertwined with this whole uh, collective experience that we've been drawn into uh, because of uh, the circumstances of the of, of the pandemic, which have been dire, which have been frightening, uh, which have been uh, very limiting, and which have really forced us to uh, look at our uh, reality in other ways. There's got to be substance. It. I don't think we can, you know, can't um, just kind of surf on the surface. It really has to be yeah. a, a, a deeper feeling tone. I think that um, it means the artists 
musical creators we're speaking about um, really have to go to their fullest potential and uh, and risk it all. I don't think there could be any um, partials right now. Absolutely. Uh-huh. That's it. Yeah, I agree. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, you know, everyone has their kind of, your, their, their moment where the jazz light comes in and, and you get hooked into it. What was yours when you were growing up? How, how did this become your life? A lot of it came um, just from my upbringing. My, my parents were very uh, cultural, here it is, culture-centric. So, uh, you know, I always had a sense of historical perspective, and that was always connected uh, to the arts. Uh, both of my parents had played um, music early in their lives, and they continued to uh play music, not as their career, not as uh, their vocation, but something that they did. And music was always central in my, in my home uh, environment when I, um, when I was growing up. So um, I think the depth of it was that uh, certainly I would hear these stories about certainly, uh, you know, my own family line and how during the, uh, the great migration, my grandparents moved from Alabama and Texas to Chicago, and there's a, a great deal of experience connected to that. What I saw in connecting that to music, I uh, really saw how um, it really re- re- uh, revealed a life that's uh, a mixture of the both the marvelous and the terrible. Through that, it was just very important to find that thing where that experience could be uh could be expressed then you see that were um, many of the the themes of you know uh creating a better world still resonate today so i was connected to that because i saw it being expressed through music so it was it was very very natural for me i began playing when i was really young the whole idea of making music uh it took root probably from a time earlier than i could even remember what was the mm-hmm. first live show you saw that really made you think man i'd love to be up there doing that gee whiz that's a big one <laughs> <laughs> the, the first live show well because you, you see you see live performances everywhere you know i used to go my father used to take me to uh performances i used to watch uh films i watched a lot of uh documentaries and so i've seen films uh i can remember seeing films of live uh of performances i watched things on tv which were live performances my father uh, took me to see duke ellington when i was about uh, 12 years old that really moved me deeply because I certainly heard his music in my, you know, home growing up and I had heard not just, you know, his, his jazz, but I saw, uh, but, but the music where the secular had, you know, intersected with the, with the gospel. And so black, brown and beige and that, but seeing him live really, um, really moved me very, very inspirational. I used to also go to chamber music uh, concerts with with my uh, parents to go because uh, I grew up in San Francisco. Go across the bridge, you saw a lot of performances in uh, at, at Berkeley, UC Berkeley chamber series. So I've seen like the 
Emerson String Quartet, GR String Quartet. So, so I really, it's very broad there, of course, in seeing uh, uh, Leonard Bernstein, the uh, Young People concerts. But I know I'm expanding, going a little bit beyond just live performances that I, you know, had experienced. But they're all, but they're all in there. Yeah, and that's great, and that's really about what has shaped you and, and who you are. And one part of who you are is, and, and I'm, I'm curious about this part, is that, you know, you have pretty severe allergies, and that kind of formed your youth, and you really, in your bio, you talk about really relying on the arts and books and movies and all of that. Uh-huh. How, how, because of that situation and because of your reliance on the art, how, how do you think that developed your how strongly did that develop your artistic sense of who you are and what your voice is right now? Well, I'll tell you one thing that it did. Um, <laughs> it um, certainly supported my uh, ability to work in isolation. And so um, isolation is a, is a big part of the creative process, the pro-creative process, practicing, studying, and 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 learning, so I was absolutely uh, uh, able to through that whole restrictive part of my early life uh, learn how to use isolation in a in a productive way. And, uh, that's really where you get work done, and uh, so it was always uh, exploration, research, and uh, within you know the. Another thing that comes with isolation is uh, it will, sooner or later, it will put you more uh, in touch with your imaginative mind. And so you would go to certain places imaginatively, mentally. And so you can get to a place with that. I think if you, you know, if you read and see other things that support things that might come from your imagination, that you're able to actually write about, play about uh, places that you have not actually physically experienced, case in point. You know, what is, what is the experience of uh, climbing, you know, uh, Mount Kilimanjaro, you see? Yeah. So you can go there imaginatively, absolutely have not been there in Africa and, and had that experience, but you can go there mentally people who were born in the north northern part of 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 america and lived there they can create these uh you know uh soundscapes and and narratives that have things to do with experiences that originate and uh originated and occurred in the deep south that's something i know i learned to do through isolation you know, every every day you wake up, you get to create. You're a professional musician. What's the greatest part of facing your day knowing that you're a professional musician? The music and the art can give you a, a, a sense of the dimension uh, where you know that everything is possible. I think the, the thing that gets people's attention, I'm talking about the external world, is art that is highly uh, uh, imaginative, and I think that that um, imaginative art comes through in a, you know, very basic form, and that basic form is storytelling. I think that uh, storytelling is the thing that is really the uh, a central need 
for all people, all human beings. Just the whole idea of being able to um, create a fiction or create descriptions of a of a world, just from my viewpoint, that works better than the one that we currently exist in and, and, and that we contend with every day, it excites me. You know, as we kind of, we were emerging and now we're kind of in that, that gray area right now with the whole COVID thing, but things have kind of opened up a little bit and it will get better. And when we do kind of return in earnest to the stage, mm-hmm. we've been away from live music for a long time. What do you hope we all realize about the magic and the beauty of live performance, both musician and the audience? Mm. I think that the, the beauty is, I think that we uh, have, um, through the isolation and difficulties of COVID and the tragedy, I, I think that it's, it's put us, more in touch with that compassionate aspect of ourselves. And so I think we've, uh, there are parts, uh, it's been revealed to each other that we are much more similar than what we might have thought we were, certainly through just the, the politics of culture. I think that we can re- reacquaint ourselves with a uh, with a, a, a sense of, of freedom, you know, to allow that allows us to have a shared musical experience with the musicians, with the with the performers, and the audience, and so that that can be more of a interactive situation as opposed to just gazing and watching but actually participating in the actual creation of the music itself. I think that that's a a place that we can um, share in in a way that we had, that we know that that music was experienced in, in, in the past and more the type of experience that we, you know, see with, um, you know, the area of pop, you know, the, that, that involvement, you know, the, the physicality of movement, expression, and, you know, and gestures and that. We, we can become more connected by allowing ourselves to, you know, to be free in that environment of where music is being created and, and experienced. That's what I feel. I, I yeah. imagine that. I think, I think people really want to uh, have that experience. See, because jazz now is, see, it's, it's, it's a hybrid uh, cultural practice. See, you, you, you have the American, you have the African, European, Latin American, uh, those roots, you see, and so, and, and the music there, it's been a, a vehicle for identity formation. And through that, there's been like this um, self-actualization, you see. Of, of members of desperate cultural communities. People are seeing themselves, you know, inside people from other communities that, that normally do not interact with each other. You see? So I think that's the power, that's the beauty of jazz, and I just, like, you know, look forward to seeing that in a more openly expressive way. Really, That really is. I think that, you know, the instinct for the big idea, you know, that encompasses the consciousness of the moment, responding with 
that automatic, you know, spontaneous emotional tone. That's exciting. Exciting. That makes it, you know, that's happening. Yeah. So let me ask you this. You know, you've been around a lot of legends and luminaries in the world of jazz. I mean, Dr. Michael Carvin alone is just a wondrous human being and, and uh -huh. just so deep. What have it's you here. learned? Yeah. What have you learned over the years from these cats? What have they taught you? or given you that you in turn have given young players that you're around? Michael's a very dear, dear friend of mine. We first met um, playing Michael Carvin in a band with Bobby Hutchison that we played in together for a better part of three years. And so we started, we developed a musical conversation and now it's, you know, it's come to this point. I think in terms of what we learn is that it's very, very important to communicate through the music that you make. I think that um, just virtuosity and, you know, displaying you know, a great relationship that you have with your instrument is one thing that's more of a spectacle. But I think the, the deeper and the more purposeful intention is to communicate something and to message something positive to that listening audience because uh, we change when we listen deeply. Everyone has a perception of you, an idea of who they think you are, your family, your friends, your fans, but ultimately you have a perception of yourself. Who do you think you are? Oh, I'm the uh, this person who um, I think I've had a, I think I had a very fulfilling early childhood uh, orientation uh, to the world. I've had g great experiences with musical artists, people who have like taken me in, you know, allowed me to grow and to learn uh, certain things that only come through um, osmosis. Where I'm right now is in a place where I've, uh, where I'm reinforcing those for the, the first principles of my understanding of, of art and why music matters. And in terms of what that is, if I could in, in just put it, put it in a phrase, my purpose is to express this art form with, with this deep belief that I have that music is an instrument of peace. Amen. That's a great answer. Todd, thank you for taking some time out for Neon Jazz to talk about the album and your life and music. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure talking to you, Joe. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview. Where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in L.A., San Francisco, Kansas City, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Todd for his time, honesty, and story. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino in the iTunes Store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com and for everything Neon Jazz all the time. Go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.